Welcome to Trauma Queen, where we normalize talking about some pretty hard shit. I'm Jiminika Eborn, your certified trauma queen. I've been working with survivors of assault for over a decade. This season, we'll be talking about Black Femmes. We will discuss how we, as Black Femmes, experience the world differently, both in our interpersonal relationships and the everyday trauma of being a Black Femme in today's society. Like always, the focus will be on our journey to healing and finding support. In each episode, I'll give three new resources directly related to the topics we cover. For years, I've seen survivors portrayed without their voices never being really heard. This changes now. Let's heal together. Hey y'all, we may be talking about some things that may bring up some feelings for you. And if that's you, that's totally okay. We're talking about a lot of intense emotions. So if this is affecting you, please take some time for yourself. Maybe you can come back. Maybe you have to skip an episode and that's okay. Come back when you can and we'll be here for you. Before we get started, I'd like to shout out our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a platform that connects you with a personal online therapist. They have hundreds of licensed therapists and can connect you with one within 24 hours. Cognitive therapy has been proven to be the leading most effective treatment for PTSD, anxiety, and childhood trauma. I always recommend first seeking an in-person therapist, especially for crisis situations, but online therapy is also a fantastic option, especially if you live in an area where you don't have access to a therapist with the black experience, the queer experience, or they're just too expensive. With BetterHelp, you can filter to find exactly what kind of therapist you'd like. And if it doesn't feel right with the first person, you can match with a new counselor within 24 hours. You can video chat, talk on the phone, do an app messaging, and it's available for desktop or mobile. Go to betterhelp.com queen. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Q-U-E-E-N to find your personal counselor for as low as $35 a week. Hey, y'all. I'm super excited to have this lovely human to talk. I would say in front of me, but um, she's not. She's in Portland. But I am so glad that I was able to connect with you a few months ago and like share space with you. And I'm excited to see like how our relationship will evolve. Yes, um, me too. Yeah. Okay. So can you tell us your name and pronouns? Yeah, my name is Evian Whitney and my pronouns are she and her. Yeah. Okay, so we'll just we'll just jump in. I like to just get in there deep, loop it up. Here we are. Um, what does being a black femme mean to you? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone takes a deep breath first. Like <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, that is a great question. And there's so many layers to the answer to that question. I mean, to be a black femme means being radical, um, Mm -hmm. radical in my blackness, radical in my femininity, um, radical in my womanhood. It also is an expression to me of just like this. I've been playing a lot lately with this notion of softness and strength at the same time. So I don't know if you do tarot at all, but the card, uh, the strength card has been coming up a lot for me when I'm in sessions Mm -hmm. with clients and also um, just in my own work personally. And yeah, this, this aspect of like soft control, soft power, 
really like comes up for me when I think about, um, about being a black femme. So, oh yeah, I I could go on and on, but I feel like those are the the best, (laughs) the best answers that are the most concise and will make the most sense. (laughs) I mean, we accept all of the blessings you'd like to provide (laughs) today. Um, why do you think your story or perspective needs to be heard? Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess going back to the black femme bit, I, I I feel like black femmes we're we're not we're not heard, we're not listened to. Our voices are mm-hmm. often silenced. Our voices are often ignored uh, or not taken seriously. And I think that the, it it's a radical act to be able to take up space as a black femme and to also demand that I'm heard uh, and demand yeah. that my story matters and the experiences that I've been through, um, they, they qualify me as an expert of my own story and my own experience. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I love it. I mean, I totally agree. Do you think, um, being a black femme or identifying like as a black femme, is that like a newer space for you or have you always been like, this is who I am and I feel very strong in it? Mm, Um, I've definitely, oh, I was about to, I was about to tell a lie. That's not true. Um, I, to, to call myself a femme has been a relatively new thing for me. And mm-hmm. I think it's come along with me owning and completely being confident and comfortable in my queer identity because for a while I was not. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, even to this day, I still deal with um, like imposter syndrome when it comes to my queer identity. Um, so the notion of of adopting the term femme to describe me has been pretty new. Black, I mean, uh, I, I have a really interesting history with my blackness in that, you know, I was born and raised in a predominantly white, uh, community. Mm-hmm. I went to predominantly white schools and for most of my life, I felt like my blackness was not allowed to be, it wasn't allowed to be like, I, yeah. I, I felt like I, I was othered. I felt like a literal black sheep amongst my friends. I mean, I was like one of only a handful of black kids in my school. So, um, I didn't, I didn't grow up with a lot of pride in my blackness. I didn't grow up with a lot of like, uh, wanting to be black and wanting to just like confidently explore my blackness. Uh, in a lot of ways, especially when I was in high school, I was like trying to assimilate. Like I was trying my best to not be the black sheep, to not stick out like a sore thumb. And so it wasn't until, oh my gosh, a few years ago. Actually, you know, I want to say when I went natural, when I, when I like cut off all my relaxer and decided to wear my hair in its natural state that I began to explore and heal the relationship I have with my black identity and figure out what me as a black woman looks like because for so long that was a part of me that I was trying to stifle silence um ignore and like play down for most of my life so yeah I mean we we definitely have that in common because I went to a predominantly white school 
and there were a handful of black kids, but also they weren't welcoming to me. Did you ever struggle with that? Yeah. You know, so I, I, I remember having like two different kinds of black friends around that time. It was either like the black kids that were like me who were trying to assimilate and try their best to like be in the white crowds and things like that. And then there were also the other black kids who would be described as ghetto or, you know, um, I don't, I don't know, just like those, those like really problematic words. And I felt like I, I didn't really belong with either one. I like the, the people who would describe who my peers would have described as ghetto, they looked at me and said that I wasn't black enough. And the people that who like that were maybe talked like me, had friends, white friends like me and things like that. Um, Maybe I wasn't, oh, this is so stupid, but it's true. Like maybe I wasn't like quote unquote white enough or respectable enough. Like I had one, I had one friend who was black and she, uh, she was, um, what is that thing called where you go to like, oh, she went to charm school and what? she was oh. like, yeah, she was like really, really into like being prim and proper and like using the right fork and, you know, things like that. And in that sense, I felt very alienated from her. And I, I really, we didn't really have much of a friendship because I think she realized like, oh, you're, you're not a respectable Negro, <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah, I definitely have, uh, have experienced with that for sure it's hard like just trying yeah. to navigate just you know just being a human right <laughs> well and especially back then too when you're in high school and your hormones are all crazy and you feel mm-hmm. so weird and anyway just in your body and I mean middle school and high school were some of the hardest times of my life for me and so mm. having that on top of this other piece of you know your the color of your skin and how people perceive you and trying to fit in but also being like I need to honor my heritage and yeah, it's just, it's, it's been really wonky and I feel really grateful that I have a therapist in my life right now who is helping me unpack a lot of that internalized racism and and internalized anti-blackness because that's been coming a lot up a lot for me as I've been, um, as I've been in therapy for the last year, which has been so hard, but also really, really healing. You know, I was, you know what I was going to ask you about that? Look at you. Just, you got this. Um, what brought you to start seeing a therapist? Oh, um, so I've, I want to say that I've been in therapy off and on since I was 15 because okay. I have had, uh, I've had an anxiety disorder pretty much since that time. I think I, I had my first panic attack when I was like 14 or 15. And, um, originally I went into therapy to figure out why that was happening and, um, and then, you know, eventually I, I, I left that therapy and then I came back into therapy again when I was in my early twenties because I was having the same issues with anxiety. Um, and so this, this time around, um, I, and, and I will say too, that the, the therapist that I had worked with before the one that I'm with right now have always been either white or non-black. Which is a theme that people keep bringing up. Yeah. You know, I I will say that my last therapist before the the therapist that I have now, she was an indigenous woman of color, which was, and she was like super queer and um, really like radical in her like, like fuck the patriarchy, fuck white supremacy. And that was really, really great. That sounds Um, beautiful. Yeah. She was incredible. And I was really, really mad. I actually worked with her for about three years 
years. And I was really, really sad because she, she, um, she relocated, she moved her practice to the coast and we started doing like those, um, Skype sessions, yeah. which were fine, it's not but the like, same. it's not the same, yeah. you know? And I, I really luxuriated in the, the ritual of like getting on the bus and riding the bus to the, the office and then like walking up a couple blocks to get to her front door. Like I really, really loved that ritual of going into therapy. So unfortunately we didn't stick with it, but this therapist that I found and kind of like the catalyst that brought me back into her. And I, I should say she's a queer black femme, which yes. I, That's a blessing. I was like, Ooh. why haven't I <laughs> found like, why haven't I done this before? You yeah. know, like why, why haven't I thought that like, Oh, you like when you get healing, in this way, like it, it matters to have a black person, a black femme doing that healing for you. Um, but yeah, I originally, I went, I went to her because I was, it was right after the election mm. and I was feeling a lot of anxiety and just a lot of, um, doom and gloom about, uh, you know, Everything. the color of my skin and, and particularly living in Portland. Yeah which is so white. Um, and I mean, there's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's definitely people of color there. There's definitely, we, we're, we out here, but like, <laughs> but I mean, it is, it is really, really white and it's, it's, it's hostile and it's whiteness. And for me, I was definitely feeling that come up a lot. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think I was telling, telling this to you when we got together in person, but like at the time when I was seeking therapy, we were having, um, all, right oh yeah we talked about neo-nazi rallies happening like every single weekend yeah. and these rallies would get violent and they would just bring up a whole bunch of stuff and actually um you know i i wasn't really i i never went to a rally because like it just it's, didn't really seem scary and unsafe yeah and and it and it, it is it really is but i was still i'm a really empathic highly sensitive mm -hmm. person and i was picking up on that and also just fearing for my life being like wow there's like straight up neo-nazis walking around in my neighborhood uh i don't feel safe in my skin so i i sought a, a therapist to like work through the anxiety that was coming up for me and then it's so interesting as i'm in there you know i i came in with the intention of being like, yeah, Portland is so white and it's, it feels really hostile. And sometimes it's hard for me to even like leave my house because yeah. I'm feeling terrified. And then like, we're talking about other things like daddy issues and, <laughs> and like internalized anti-blackness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been profound. I, whenever I talk about my therapist, I always say that like, she is the most like challenging woman I've ever worked with because she challenges me mm. really deeply. Like I actually am kind of intimidated by my therapist. I don't think I've ever said this to her. She'd probably <laughs> laugh at me, but like she like scares the shit out of me, but like in the best way, because I know that she, she doesn't play, you know, yeah. like she, she sees my bullshit. She calls it out and she, she helps me question it and helps me heal. And it, this has been the most healing and interactive experience I've had with therapy that I've ever experienced. And I've had a lot of therapists. Yeah. So. We'll get back yeah. to Portland because I have some thoughts on Portlandia over there. <laughs> um, like just navigating and you, you've brought up that you were queer. Like how does that, how does being queer and being a black femme like intertwine or like fight against each other? Have you struggled? Have people like side-eyed you? 
Yeah, it's I think what's been hard for me and in, in in my experience of being a black femme and identifying as queer is that I am I'm in a relationship with a hetero God, well, no, he's not hetero. He's queer. Well, how do you say that? I, technically, I look like I'm in a hetero relationship, okay. yeah. um, but we are both we are both queer identified. We're just like a straight passing couple. And he's also white. And so when people look at us walking down the street, they don't see my queerness. Mm-hmm. They don't see his queerness. And perhaps they would assume that I am not as radical in my blackness because I've chosen to be with a white dude, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, that has been a little, that's been a lot of challenging, uh, for me. And I think it's one of the reasons why I deal with imposter syndrome with my queer identity, not so much with my black identity, because I'm just kind of like, I don't give a shit what you think about, like I'm, I'm black and I will always be black. And even if I was strangely in this relationship with this man where I wasn't radically black, like I will still always read as black. That's not something that Mm -hmm. can be taken away from me. I will always be politicized in that way. My queer identity is invisible, you know? And so it's, it's, it's a big struggle for me, uh, to, feel like I can even claim sometimes that word femme or claim that I'm queer when I am in a straight passing relationship, yeah. you know? And because, you know, walking down the street, people always make assumptions about you regardless. So they're always right. going to try to put you in a box. People love right. boxes. God damn it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they do. it's, it's, it's hard. And I was yeah. just thinking, um, like dating, I, th- I think you and I had talked about this before too. I identify as polyamorous and my partners currently are white. But as of today, mama has taken a hiatus on dating white men because of- Oh, yeah. congrats. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I was told that they are wasting my time, which, you know, I they yes. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. When, when you were growing up and dating in predominantly white spaces, I don't know about you, but like for me, I was always the black girl and like, I'd be like, oh, you're, yeah. they'd be like, you're cute, but like, can't take you home. So, and then the black guys would be like, you're not black enough. And I'd just be like, well, I'm going to just stay at home. Right. Like, how have you navigated like dating in predominantly white spaces? Um, and then once you were like, I'm also queer, here we are again. Yeah. When, so when I was in like high school and even like my early teens, I should say too, that like me and Jonathan, my partner now we've been together for like 12 years. So we, we've been, I I didn't really get the opportunity to date all that much because right after I, right before I met him, I left a relationship with, um, I guess you could say he was a white guy. He was a white passing guy. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, I I didn't have much time to date. But what I will say is I definitely noticed that a lot of the people that I had crushes on, a lot of the guys that I had crushes on were definitely white guys. Mm -hmm. And um, a few, many of the guys I actually wanted to actually like date, but they would say that like, you know, they wouldn't take me home. They wouldn't bring me home because... And they wouldn't say, yeah, obviously, they never directly that it was because I was black. Right. But you could just tell, you know, like you could. And, you know, it's so funny. Like before we started recording, I was telling you that I was I was listening. I've been listening to a lot of like early 2000s hip hop and rap. It's a good time. And yeah, it is <laughs> like, God, kids these days, they don't know. I don't know. even know they what they're talking know. about nowadays. I know. I just I, I don't I don't understand. Um, <laughs> but I was I was listening to this music and I was thinking 
back to those times when those songs were coming out mm-hmm. and the dances that I went to. And I remembered that a lot of my white friends, um, and a lot of them were white men th- or white boys, I guess they, um, they were totally like, um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that term. You they were totally like, like, what is it? It sounds juicy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they, they were, they would be considered like white guys trying to be black. Oh, you know, you thinking of wigger. I was, I was about to say it. I said it for us. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So they, they would be the, the guys crip walking, uh, in, in the, Oh girl. Yes. They were crip crip walking. They would be like in in dances. We would form the circle and they would have crip walking battles. And wait, where was um, this? (laughs) (laughs) Not Um, near where real crips were. Is that? No. Oh girl. No. (laughs) Are you kidding me? These were like affluent white kids who were like raised very Christian and I'm sure their their parents had no idea what they were doing but they would come to school and they would be like fake gang bangers and they would have like um uh like we had like people who would claim that they were bloods even though weren't they just wore all red it's just a different we, type of cultural appropriation <laughs> right it's it was bizarre but yeah I was thinking about that I was thinking about how you know these same guys wouldn't bring me home mm. to meet their families while oh, they were crip walking and they were like thugging and like gang banging fake th- gang banging and like you know claiming that they were you know the crips or they were the or whatever you know and it was this weird like cognitive dissonance of like wow so you want you you don't want me you just want my culture like definition time y'all cognitive dissonance cognitive dissonance is in the state of having inconsistent thoughts beliefs or attitudes especially as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change The theory of cognitive dissonance helps explain the lengths of which people sometimes go to to account for their thoughts, words, and behaviors that seem to clash. By bringing attention to the inconsistencies in our minds, cognitive dissonance, what a word, can be an opportunity for growth. An example of cognitive dissonance, someone discovers that a person she admires is accused of conduct she seems morally wrong. This person may try to resolve her confusion by casting doubt on the accusation, finding excuses for the act. If we choose to grow, she might alternatively revise her judgment of that person. You know, and it was this weird, like, cognitive dissonance of like, wow, so you want, you, you don't want me. You just want my culture. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, so, yes, yeah. I know. You're like, black, yeah. black lives look so fun, but no, I would never. Yeah. yeah. Everybody want to be black, but nobody want to be black. Yeah, but you don't want to show up for the party. <laughs> exactly. Ugh. Exactly. Ooh, yeah. That made me, I'm so shook. I'm tired from just the thought yeah. of all these young oh, white girl. men uh, crip walking. Oh my God. Well, and it's, it, yeah, it was just, it, oh my gosh, it's so funny. It's, it's, it's comical when I think about it now. I mean, back in the day, it was just normal, you mm-hmm. know, it was just like, oh, this is what, this is what people do do and you know I, I don't know there it just I don't know there wasn't anyone who was critiquing it for me at that time mm. mostly because there was we're just all in the same space I, I was, yeah right and we were all kind of like in that you know and we all thought it was cool but um but yeah that was those were some crazy times and so um I I guess to answer the other part of your question around queer identity, like I also, I don't identify as polyamorous. Mm -hmm. I'd say I'm more, I identify as non-monogamous. I have an open relationship and um, dating has been really, really interesting as I've been 
in this space now where I'm like unapologetically black and also trying to be unapologetically queer while also being in a straight passing relationship with a white dude. Like it's really, really complicated, you know? It's a lot Uh, of levels. And in my experience, I've, yeah, there, there's a lot of levels and I think uh, I think a lot of people don't get it. Um, and especially here, because it's hella white, like a sea of a sea of whiteness. Um, it's yeah, I dating has been hard for me here in Portland because uh everybody looks and don't I don't know. I just there, there's a lot. I can I can say a lot, but I will say dating has been really really weird. And um, can you say that one more time? I think you, I lost you. For yeah, a yeah. I was just saying that like dating has been really weird in Portland, yeah. and I there's a lot that I can say about that. But what I will say is that the hardest part for me is that I just don't think that the white folks in this city understand those intersections. Like they don't understand that intersection of me being queer, me being black, me being non-monogamous and also being in a a relationship with, with a white guy, you know? Mm -hmm. Getting back to this Portlandia. (sighs) um, So I, (laughs) I've been out there more so because I've been like trying to build a program and support and do all these things. Um, And it's really interesting because Portland is so, I hate saying this word, but they, they feel like they're very forward and yeah. woke, but they're very It's not. a trap. Like Portland was <laughs> built on white supremacy. Yeah, it's a trap. Let's be yeah. realistic. Tell me about this trap you feel. Because <laughs> I feel the yeah, trap too. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear it a lot. Everyone's like, oh, Portland. And they talk like that too. Oh, Portland, it's just so progressive. <laughs> and oh, I just I it's love not, it. And then you get here and you live here. And the it, it's just, yeah, it's a trap. Like, I think people think that on the surface it is so forward thinking and forward moving, but there's a lot of oppressive and disgusting shit mm-hmm. that's happening. Not even so much in the background. I think people just don't want to look at it. They refuse to acknowledge it and they refuse to accept it. And it's, it's really hard living here. It really is. And that will make you unwoke mm-hmm. as you like to utilize terms, mm-hmm. humans. That doesn't make you unwoke. It means that you are being lazy and choosing to turn your right. eyes. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know why Lord. I live here. Like I, I've lived here for. <laughs> you tried to get me to move there. The I know other day. because I'm like more black people, please, please come. Um, no, but honestly, like I don't advocate for for black people to live here. You know, like anytime I, I've had a lot of uh, black friends leave because they're just yeah. like, I can't, I can't take it anymore. And I'm not the type of person that's gonna be like, no, please stay. I'm like, no, girl, please leave. Like. It's, it's hostile for you. And, you know, honestly, it's hostile for me. So, um, and I, I've lived here for about eight years and I, I, especially lately, I've been thinking about like, why is it that I'm still here? Um, mm-hmm. and I can't, I can't answer that question. I, I don't know the answer to that. Okay. This just came to me. And so we're going to run with it. I'm going to give you a word and kind of tell me how you're feeling as a black femme with this mm-hmm. word. Safety. Mm. I am feeling um, skeptical. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, what a response back! Skeptical, uh, and, <laughs> and I think the reason why is because it, like, you asked that question on the heels of talking about Portland, and I know that mm. this is a place that is trying to create "quote unquote" safe spaces, and they're trying to 
and when I say they, I mean white folks in this town are trying to make sure that we are inclusive and diverse and, and all of those things. And they use that word safety. They use those words safe spaces as a way to be like, oh, yeah, this is um, you're welcome here. You, you're you're allowed to be here. You're safe here. But I've been in, quote unquote, safe spaces and have had unsafe things happen to me. Like I've been in, quote unquote, safe spaces with, quote unquote, woke white folks who have literally done nothing to disrupt uh racism like in front of my face so i when when white folks say safety safe spaces i'm like i don't think you know what that means like you say that word but i don't think you know what that means when black women black femmes even poc say that um i i don't have as much skepticism because i i know i know that a lot of us understand what that means Mm -hmm. We understand mm-hmm. what it means to value that kind of safety, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty I, I'm pretty cynical. I, I think I'm jaded because of because of living here and having witnessed these safe spaces uh, where where we're supposed to be safe. And yeah, black femmes are being shat on <laughs> quite quite often. So um, I mean, since the, since the dawn of time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I don't I don't know about I don't know about safe spaces, which I, I think is a little bit different than what you were asking. I just when I heard safety, I immediately no. went to safe spaces, and that was a thing that that came up. There was me. just however your heart desired yeah. to answer. Yeah. Do because I know you do a lot of work with women and helping them heal and whatnot. What have you done for you before we talk about more of your work? Like, what have you done for like healing? Like done, done on myself? Mm-hmm. Or like, what have you, as a, you were like, I am taking all this stuff on. I'm a black woman mm. walking through the world. Things are always being thrown at me. People are always looking at me and thinking, like, how are you staying healed and held? Mm. Wow. I had like a really emotional reaction when you asked me that question. Uh, and mm. I think it's because I don't think that I do a a good enough job of mm-hmm. holding and making sure that I'm healing myself. I think yeah. that is a product of me being a Virgo. I'm an overachiever. I'm a perfectionist. Uh, I'm constantly working and I want to be the best. No exceptions. <laughs> I'm working on that <laughs> in therapy. Um, but but it, it's really hard for me to find that space and that time to, um, to take care of myself. Like recently, uh, actually at the beginning of the year, I was just feeling so exhausted. Like come January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, I was like, I, I don't think I can do this. Like, I don't know if I'm yep. ready for another <laughs> I, full I year. Yeah. I was, I was freaking exhausted and I was really daunted because I knew that I had, you know, clients that I had to show up for work that I had to show up to, mm-hmm. um, within the following days. And so, um, for the first time in like, about a year, I actually got body work done. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to get acupuncture. Like, and usually I don't prioritize myself in that way. I'm really frugal Mm -hmm. too. I'm the type of person that's like, well, I can just take a bath. That's like the same as acupuncture. Right. (laughs) Uh, so, so, um, but it was actually, it was actually my white husband who was like, you're not doing enough to advocate for yourself. You need to make an appointment. Mm. And so I, I don't really, I don't do a good job of, of advocating for myself, of taking care of myself. I'm, and that's one thing that I want to work on uh, in 2019 yeah. because I recognize that if I'm not well, how am I supposed to ask 
or help other people be well. It's, it's really difficult to do that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm, I'm looking to bolster my self care. I'm looking to bolster Good. my relaxation and my rest this year with not just going to therapy because, you know, I think I've, I've used therapy as a, like, Oh, that's all I need. Like I'm, I'm going into therapy every, every other week. Like that's, that's a lot of heavy lifting for me. But then I realized that like it, it uh, therapy isn't always restorative. It's just usually mm. really hard. <laughs> it's it, it shakes things. Yeah, up. it shakes things up, and so I also need to find things that are restorative. And so, yeah, yeah. I'm looking to like getting acupuncture a couple times a month. Um, I'm looking to get like um, massages and even just like clocking out. And also, I've been really playing with this idea of decentering whiteness in my life. What does that mean? Uh, it's, it's something that was actually birthed in therapy uh, because I just had um, very recently a really like racist thing happen to me while I was at a party with some mm. quote unquote woke white friends. God damn it. And um, I, we, we, I was just talking about how I'm just, I'm so done with white people. I'm, I'm done with giving them passes. I'm done with giving them chances. It's, it's like a, it's, it's harmful to my health at this point for me to be like, Oh, I'm sure that they're fine. Or I'm sure that they didn't mean it or whatever. Like I'm really trying to divest myself from whiteness. And so lately as a way to divest and decenter, like I'm looking at the ways that I center whiteness. I'm looking at the ways that I accommodate whiteness in my life. And particularly in my work, I get a lot of people who, you know, send me DMs or messages and they want like my free labor or, Mm. you know, they want me to like, they love some free shit. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, and I, and I'm not saying that only white people do this because I get this across the board from men, from POC, from black women, like, you know, but I, I've noticed that the, the people that I get that the most from is from white women. And so, um, usually because I am an overachiever, pleasing people pleaser, I probably would have been more apt to, um, be like, Oh sure. I I can help you with that. Or uh, I can't help you with that right now, but here are some resources. I'm like really relishing in the archive button (laughs) in my inbox. Just be like, I, I, I don't have the capacity to handle this right now. I don't want to do this right now. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm not even going to apologize and say, I'm sorry, I don't have the capacity. I'm just going to ignore it, you know? And that, it, that's edgy for me because it feels, whew, it, yeah, it just, it feels, it feels edgy, but it's something that I'm, I'm working on as a way to like decenter whiteness and, and center my feelings, my, my experience, you know? Yeah. And, and then talking about healing, um, have you reached out or spoken to other black femmes about what you've been going through or like trying to find connection and the struggle together? <sighs> See, this is my problem with, I think with Portland is that, um, I, I haven't really found community here with black folks. I mean, I, I have, mm. I have some pretty good friends, a couple pretty good friends, but they're, they're not black. Um, they're, mm. they're non-black POC and, and that's great. But, um, yeah, I, I've had, I've had some stuff happen while I was here in Portland that really kind of like shook me and made me realize that even in those black spaces, maybe, 
maybe I'm not also safe. Um, I know I'm being like really vague, but I just don't know if I want to get into it here, but, um, so yeah, because of that, I, I've, I've been really guarded. Uh, I've been guarding Mm -hmm. myself from just friendships in general. Um, and especially here in Portland, I have a lot of really close people who I would consider chosen family who do mm-hmm. not live here, like who live in New York, who I have like digital relationships with, like we text each other and things like that. Like that feels really, really good for me. But as for people here in this space, you know, I, I don't, I don't have that right now, you know? Yeah. I mean, I totally get it. And it, that's also been part of my goals for 2019. And I've been talking to other like black femme sex educators because just black femme yeah. sex educators because just being in this, this, the world, figuring out like how can I like uphold and find connections because we're all out here kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do we need to have like a meeting once a week? What are we doing? Like, yeah. how, do, how do we keep sanity together? Yeah. And talking about that, like, do you think being a black femme, has um this is a two-part question do you think it's affected your work and then like how you work with your clients and then also do you feel like you've missed out on gigs because you are a black femme Mm, I think so to answer your first question it's definitely affected my work in I think in positive ways I I don't know if it's affected my work in negative ways I, Mm -hmm. I think um I think it's undeniable that every time I enter into a session with a client, whether they're black or white or POC, um, my blackness comes with me. And I think Mm -hmm. in the beginning, I I was like not trying to do that. I was trying to be more neutral, uh, maybe like colorless, like being a colorless person and just show up and like do the work and like give, give resources and and guidance and things like that. But these days I've been like, you know, I can't divorce that from me anymore. And so Mm. that's a thing that, that comes along with me with every session that I have. Um, and it, it, it forms the work that I do really, really deeply. And so it's something that I've been really embracing and I love working with women of color. Uh, I, I especially love, love working with black women and black femmes because I feel like it, it makes me just like relax a lot more, you know, like I feel yeah. like, okay, I can be my whole self while I'm in session with you. Like I can talk about, I can say the words white supremacy. I can say the words intergenerational trauma and like, you'll get it, you know, and mm-hmm. I won't have to, you know, do uh, what is it? An exploratory comma um, after I say those things. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, I guess, like missing out on opportunities because of being a black femme, uh, I, that really hasn't, I don't want to say that it hasn't been my experience because I'm sure it mm-hmm. has been. I'm sure that it's come up. I have noticed lately, and this could just be me projecting, but I kind of feel like people are approaching me because I'm a black femme mm-hmm. and they want to include and they want to be diverse and they want to make sure that the opportunities that within these panels that they're creating or within these events that that they're wanting me to be a part of that that you know there there are you know black people or women mm-hmm. of color on the panel and so sometimes i i don't know i i have a really 
I'm, I have a problem with being really cynical and really jaded and just being like, oh, so did you ask me because you respect my work and you respect what I'm doing? Or did you just want me to be the token black femme on your panel? You know, yeah, um, that's that's too. a question that comes up a lot, you know, and I, I've never asked that question outright, but it's something that I think about a lot, especially when I see when I'm approached by people who are predominantly white, like corporations or whatever, and they're asking me to be a part of their panel. I'm like, oh, interesting. Um, but no, I've, I, it's, it's never been thrown in my face in that way of like, oh yeah, I could have gotten that event or I could have gotten that speaking gig, but if only I wasn't black, you know, maybe it would have, mm -hmm. would have come through. I, I haven't had a, like a direct experience with that, but I know it's played in the background. It has to have, you know, cause I yeah. mean, this is the world we live in. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely feel like people are, are doing more, right? Mm -hmm. Like doing more. I feel like, oh, okay. It's been a rough year. Y'all now y'all finally understand how much you need black women. Right. We've just been waiting for you to acknowledge this blessing we've been trying to provide you. Right. Um and I I for the work I think people have more so been seeking us out because they are finally catching on millions of years later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're like, okay, we've been doing all the work. You're welcome. Right. Now now you're waking up. Okay, hello. Welcome. <laughs> if if you could give any like tips for healing or like surviving, um, what kind of tips would you give out? Uh, rest. <laughs> Seriously, rest. Um yeah. and, and I don't even just mean like vegging out and you know watching netflix or whatever which i mean i i do that with copious amounts um but i i just mean like sleeping you know uh i've been really trying to prioritize sleeping i've been trying to get a good good night's rest because i recognize um i think i read a study once and i'm i could be like butchering this but i i believe that like black women like don't get any sleep like we're like the most <laughs> underslept people like we're across too busy cleaning up everyone else's shit exactly like we're too busy holding space for y'all we're too busy educating y'all like you know we we don't we we don't have the time we don't have the energy um to to like actually like rest you know yeah. and so that's that's one thing that i've been trying to prioritize most of all is like getting a good good night's rest actually sleeping um and just making sure that i unplug you know mm -hmm. i really like take some steps away from the internet which can be a really great place and it can also be a really hostile environment um so yeah just resting unplugging and i've been reading a lot of books actually that's been like good old books or yeah. people forget about those i know and not not books about um work stuff because that has also been a, a crutch <laughs> for me just being yeah. like oh if i'm gonna read it needs to be educational it needs mm -hmm. to be in service of you know the work that i'm doing i've been reading a lot of fiction and i've been really really enjoying reading fiction from african authors i've been uh, i got a library card a couple years back yeah. and i was like oh my god why haven't i done this sooner <laughs> so yeah resting reading and drinking lots of water yeah Yay. that sounds amazing yeah. I'm I'm so glad we got to have a little chat today. I'll be back in Portland soon. We can yeah, have a date. Yes, please. Let's do that. I <laughs> want to hear everything that's coming up for you about this yeah. fuck-ass town. Oh, my God. <laughs> Woo. Woo. I, I felt that in my heart when you said that. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, okay. Well, since, you know, we're done for here. But before you leave me, can you just, like, tell us all your business? Just plug yourself. How do we find you? How do we yeah. get people to give you coins? Oh yeah, I mean, I would love, I would love your money. Um, 
<laughs> uh, you can find me on my website, sexloveliberation.com. Uh, you can also find me at evianwhitney.com. You can find me in both of those places. Uh, and then you can also find me on Instagram at evian.whitney. And yeah, if you want to pay a black femme, uh, you can do that also by, I don't know, just email me. I'll, I'll send, <laughs> you can you can just email me and we can make that happen. I mean, I, I really think it's important that we pay black femmes. You know, we're doing so much labor uh, and yeah, it's, it's often on our backs. So yes, if anyone wants to give me some money, I will receive it. I will accept it and I will give it to other black femmes who are in need. So yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and thank you all for listening to us today. Um, And up next, we will have some magical resources for you all. And as promised, as always, we have three resources for you. First up, Black Girl Vote, founded by Nikendria Robinson to inspire women of color to use the political process to improve the quality of life for their families and their collective community. Because believe it or not, Black women vote in our own self-interest too. Black women aren't superhuman sent here to just save everyone but ourselves. You're welcome. Second, a group called RestForResistance.com. A diverse group of people of color are left out of mental health systems and cannot find affirming therapists in LGBTQIA communities. Because of this, we often struggle with getting our emotional needs met. Rest for Resistance are writings and arts by queer and trans people of color that provide affirming alternatives. And last but not least, a book by Sheree K. Jackson, Boss Bride, The Powerful Woman's Playbook for Love and Success. Essence senior editor Sheree K. Jackson released her debut book after interviewing and researching more than 150 professional women, including one of many faves, Niecy Nash. Boss Bride not only breaks down why your husband might be the biggest decision of your career, but also how to navigate children and fertility for busy type A women. I'm so excited to announce we have a store. I've created a meditative coloring book filled with journal prompts, affirmations, and gorgeous illustrations for you to color. We have brand new Trauma Queen socks with cute little tiny crowns all over to remind you that you are a queen. And we have two kinds of tea, one focused on stress relief and one that's for healing that heart of yours. The tea bags come with little affirmations, so as you steep your tea, you set your intention. Everything will be available on my website, www.traumaqueen.love. That's www.traumaqueen.love. Thank you so much for listening. This season has been so special to record. And of course, I have to shout out all the people who made this possible. You can find us all on Instagram. Podcast artwork by Zoe Loves, Z-O-I-E-L-O-V-E-S, recorded and engineered by Bapari, B-A-P-A-R-I, produced by Boy God King, B-O-Y-G-O-D-K-I-N-G, and me, I'm your host, Jiminika, J-I-M-A-N-E-K-I-A. Support for this podcast made possible by our sponsor, BetterHelp, and people like you. If you'd like to contribute to supporting this work, you can do so by clicking the link in the podcast description. You can donate as little as 99 cents per month to keep us going strong. Every penny you send goes right back into making this resource accessible to the people who need it most. 
Thank you for listening and happy healing.